to Battle Red Radio. My name is Matt Weston. Tonight, I'm joined by the biggest, the fattest, the drunkest of them all, our good pal BFD. How are you doing tonight, man? Woo! Go Texans! Go Deshaun <laughs> Watson! Yeah. Wizard! Wizard Deshaun Watson. He disapparated all over the place again today. Yeah, he's a reptilian. He's part of the secret government that actually rules <laughs> our country. Yep. Yeah. He's he's, well, the learned, one, he's the one who's leading the charge for five G for five G to scramble our DNA and make us all impotent and uh, just make and if we are able to survive past that, all of our offspring and progeny are just going to be deformed, st- stunning little creatures. You know, like really like misshapen pinno beans. You know, I did learn today from a QAnon person that uh, Barack Obama was assassinated today and that he has been replaced by a clone that's not functioning correctly. I can believe so, it. So. Let's just go through every conspiracy because they're also just so stupid. I, I did see that study from like Stanford. That's like there are concerns about five G, and then they take that right off with it. You know? Oh my God! Yeah. Oh, I know. I have stories. Let's move on before <laughs> okay. I get. Well, my my <laughs> testicles are, are really afraid right now. Um, so, oh, wow. did you know that the Houston Texans offense can be very good, like really good, like? 46 points in a game good or 47 points in a game good look this is why this is why people like like matt and i and everybody on the masthead and everybody with a you know functioning brain really don't like bill o'brien is because of games like this right we saw last week we saw a pathetic effort against carolina and a whopping 10 points gardner Minshew dropped what was it 31 on him today on carolina yeah and then this week, even without a run sudden, game either, like yeah, I didn't do much of anything. Yeah, and um, and then today, you know, Deshaun Watson drops forty-seven points because that's what Deshaun Watson can do. That's why we get so frustrated watching Bill O'Brien week in week out use his old portal offense, dry humping his way up and down the field with absolutely nothing to show for it. Today is why we hate Bill O'Brien so very much is because. This is what Deshaun Watson's capable of. He had to make quick reads. They rolled him out of the pocket. They used play action effectively. You and I have been preaching this stuff for years, Big Matt. Yeah, it, I, and that's kind of the frustrating thing is that like this is what like every week should look like. This shouldn't be like a once every four weeks or once every three weeks or like it, the the even odd like changes back and forth should be happening like consistently. The offense should look like this and function like this. And, you know, they just did, like, a lot of things, you know, so much better than they did last week and so much better than they did, like, in week two, and they had another down game as well. So Watson was 28 for 33 for 426 yards. He threw five touchdowns, which is so funny. Uh, He was sacked zero times. And for some reason, ESPN, they removed quarterback hits from their box score. I don't know why. Uh, That just kind of changed tonight. But if I had to guess, he was hit three times, and one of those was a 15-yard penalty maybe. Uh, Will Fuller caught 14 passes on 16 targets for 217 yards and three touchdowns. He almost had five touchdowns. He was tackled the one-yard line twice. Um, so I want to kind of go through the biggest differences between this week and last week against Carolina when they scored a grand total of 13 points in that one. So 
Houston didn't allow a sack this game. And we had a question from Twitter from uh, a good friend of mine, Sam Mav Woodward, is is that. And he said he asked, was the line better because of the pass rush or are they growing mo- more cohesive? And so to jump off from there, I think it's a little bit of both, but Atlanta's pass rush is bad. They've had five sacks this year. I think they were like 25th in just a sack right here in this game. And the problem with their pass rush is that they create pressure. They were eighth in pressure rate, but it's a lot of empty pressures. I think Vic Beasley is a great example of that. This is a guy who everything has to be wide. Everything's an edge rush. Everything takes him way behind the quarterback. And like he can stumble into pressures where like the quarterback steps up because of him. But they're, it's like drinking a soda. Like It's empty calories. There's no nutrition at all from it. It doesn't really affect the defense very much. And so, and also Atlanta can't blitz very well either. They don't run a lot of stunts. They don't do anything interesting. Uh, they're like Deion Jones should be blitzing more than he does. They don't really use him that way. Devondre Campbell's pretty like big and slow. And they don't have like safeties who are very good anymore now that Keanu Noodle's injured. And they can't cover on the back end too if they do decide to bring a bunch as well. And so I think Houston did a very good job in pass protection just winning their one-on-one matchups. Like they stopped their one-versus-one rushes they had throughout the game. Uh, Gray Jarrett was the one guy who had a good game in this one, though. So what did you see from Atlanta's pass rush in this one, BFD? That it really reminded me, I guess the, the worst way, to, the best way to put it, I should say, they basically split out Beasley and whomever was on the other side. Yeah, attackers almost McKinley, into a, usually. Yeah, basically into a white nine, just constantly. They're way outside, and it's just such a long path to get to the quarterback at that point in time, which was really stupid because you had uh, Grady Jarrett, which is creating all sorts of havoc in the middle. But you, um, which is great. I mean, if you're the Falcons, that's a great thing. But the problem is, is that you want guys maybe like following Jarrett's holes in to in the middle, but. Those guys are way on the outside, and, and, you know, that's not the best use of their time, like literally, because it takes so long to get to the quarterback from that distance. Then you add to the fact that, like, Vic Beasley just sucks. Like, on top of that, he's, he's not a good football player. They're not going to pick – they're not going to re-sign him. Yeah, he has, like, the Brady Anderson, like, 52 home run season where he led the league in sacks, like, four years ago, his second year that, you know, that one season. Every, every, and, like, he had no pressure, no quarterback hits that year. But he had like 18 sacks. And every year since then, it's been four sacks, five sacks, you know. And there's a reason. because he sucks. So um, the, just the overall game planning, well, they, didn't have, they don't have the personnel, right? This is probably going to be the weakest pass rush we face all year because they don't have the personnel to do it. Jarrett was wrecking people in the middle. I mean, it didn't matter if it was Martin or if it was Sharping. They, he was wrecking everybody he went up against. But the thing is, is Grady Jarrett's like big and slow. He's not going to get Deshaun Watson, and that's what we saw today. Watson would see Jarrett come up the middle, and he would just go around him. And there was because the guys on the outside weren't coming in to get him. He had plenty of room to work, kind of in those mid-level, you know, you know the three and the and the five holes. He had plenty of room to do things, and um, golly, that's why Deshaun Watson was able to be so good today. Is because their pass rush was so bad. They had he had to look for one guy all game. And that's it. And yeah. it's just easy. Oh, and I want to mention one more thing. It was the inconsistency of the pass rushes what really killed them. But it was the fact that they didn't blitz very well. Not using Deion Jones to blitz and losing KZ at safety hurt them very often because at times they were rushing three with two spies. Do you really think they're going to get to the quarterback with that? Mm-hmm. They really think they're going to do damage with that? Just the game planning was stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, they don't, it's hard for them to blitz because they play so much zone. 
And so you have your linebackers in those hook zones, and so if you blitz, then you only have two linebackers covering the middle of the field. And if you have Deion Jones blitz, you don't want like Devondre Campbell and Tackers McKinley in those spots, uh, or even you know, that Raphael safety that they have, who Darren Fell is just like completely owned with that leap over touchdown catch, which was hilarious, like the way, the way he held the football up over him. But <laughs> with those with those two guys there, like you, it's hard for them to blitz, but. And even when they did, it wasn't like Carolina. Like Carolina, when they rush the passer, they stay in their lanes, they constrict the pocket. Uh, Watson can't really like seep out and run away. Like they're they're all like circled around him. Like he's in the center of mosh pit. Against Atlanta, though, it's if they blitz, they're overloading one side. Everything's getting fanned out, and you create these wide open lanes for Watson to run through. So even when they did blitz, it just led to you know like some really big scrambles for Watson. I believe he had 42 yards rushing this game. I think on. Five attempts. I know he ran one zone replay too, and so like it just didn't really match up at all for him. Uh, Jarrett was really great though. I think at three instances where Watson dodged tackles from him in the backfield, uh, he did a really good job against Max Sharping using you know a variety of different like swims and that sort of thing. And I think Sharping played fine, but like it's hard whenever you're going up against you know like a pro bowler like Jarrett is. But uh, I, I think the offense lines getting better together, but I don't think this game's a very good representation of the issues that they have. They still have problems with the stunts. They still have problems picking up blitzes. And Atlanta is not the team that's going to provide that. And also, like you know, again, Atlanta's a bad pass rushing team, and uh, their pressure is really empty. And so, like, yeah, it's good that they gave up zero sacks, but it's just harder like to take this game and then extrapolate going forward. You know, you can't, you can't at all because we're not going to. I don't think coming to mind, I can't think of a pass rush that we're going to face. It's going to be worse because they've got maybe Brady Oakland, but like. Max Crosby has been pretty good. Klein Farrell is pretty good. Pretty good. You know, like they have a bunch of guys who can like play adequate football now since they overturned their roster like after last year. You know, but yeah, that's really the only one that comes to mind. But still, when you're talking your defensive, you know, your yeah, your defensive tackle Jarrett's your best pass rusher. That's not really a good thing about your football team. Yeah, uh, I know we talked all the way back to last year. Like, I still can't believe that we're still doing this. <laughs> When you think about some of the conversations we had, but going all the way back to last year, we talked a lot about how the Texans need to run more play action. Like they really should run more play action. Come on, guys, just run some more play action. Uh, this game, they ran a lot of play action, worked really well, and like it works really well against zone defenses that has you know their sa- their uh, linebackers have to cover the middle of the field because it pulls them forward and it creates middle of the field throwing opportunities. Uh, a lot of those dig routes that they use with Deshaun Hopkins. Or De- I don't even know his name anymore. DeAndre Hopkins. That one <laughs> announcer last year said it wrong. I can't. I can never say it correctly anymore. Can't, can't unhear it. Uh, right. But yeah, it's created a lot. It created a lot of open throws in the center of the field for him. And then there's a you know they ran that really cool boot, bootleg play to Hopkins too, where he just outran Isaiah Oliver. Uh, but yeah, like play action's good. Keep running it. Use more of it. Keep doing that. Hopefully they learn after last week the play action is good and they should you know keep doing that. And they did other things. I mean, they were rolling Deshaun Watson out today. These are things that you do. And, and okay, realizing the pass rush wasn't there. You know, the offensive line wasn't being backed into him constantly. But there weren't many times when Deshaun Watson had to process a lot of information today. He was able to just go, okay, this is my this is my read. Uh, you you did you highlighted one where he threw. There was a corner blitz and he threw the hot route. Oh, Beautiful. That was awesome. Yeah, it's a Beautiful. cutie yeah. too. Finally, yeah. it happened. But a lot of his throws were like, I'm going to drop back three steps. I'm going to drop back five steps. And that's my guy. That He was getting the ball out. And this is what we've been saying for years is you got to stop the 11-dimensional chest with just Sean Watson and let him just rip the ball over the field. Because he was 28 for 33 today. Matt, you know what? He knows how to throw the rock. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that's a great point. I think one of the things that really helped with that, you know, I think Rodney Barber said so eloquently throughout the game, top of the drop back, throws out in time, the ball's out in rhythm, look at the accuracy, you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm s- I am really don't listen to Rodney Barber and Kenny Clark right. call a game ever again, but here we are. Uh, and But I think the best thing they did though in offense this game, you're talking about Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins, they ran a lot of route combinations with the two where they forced their secondary to make a decision. And it was either, uh, you know, follow Hopkins with your safety or follow Fuller. They almost always chose Hopkins. Sometimes this led to three guys choosing Hopkins and nobody choosing Will Fuller. Uh, that touchdown pass was a great example of that, the deep middle safety. Um, Keanu Allen gets turned around back there. Or Ricardo Allen, I should say, gets turned around back there. And then Fuller's running a deep post and stands in the in the end zone waiting for the ball to come. And because three guys run with Hopkins on that route, like a deep post, and like they're on opposite sides of the field and they're still working off one another. And I think that was like probably the best thing they did as an offense too today was just run routes off each other, make them force to make a decision. And then when they didn't, it's like Isaiah Oliver and like nine man off coverage or nine year off man coverage against uh, Fuller. It's not going to work. And Fuller did such a good job, like running quick out routes and stuff off of it take advantage of it um that touchdown he had against desmond trufant was really cool because he goes out stands there for like two seconds and then takes off past him and trufant's just like slapping him the entire way uh and that was a lot of fun too but yeah like it's they did like all these things that seem so obvious even from you know two losers still in their mother's basements uh that like are very blatant you just he's like why don't they do more of this and do more of that like it's not 11 dimension chess like you said earlier and uh, just by simplifying the game i think it really helped this team and you know it's again it's against a bad Atlanta defense and so like I know DVOA and stuff has them a little bit better than they actually are uh, they're a good run stopping team but not a good pass defense team at all and but yeah but like whenever you play against bad defense just simplify things and things are going to get easier you know you're not playing New England you don't need to make it so complicated yeah it, it, we've again stuff we've talked about for years is, is is Fuller and Hopkins should be running these types of patterns and they should have been for all these years instead we wind up with three guys within five yards of each other and it's so frustrating to see those offenses when they when they happen. This has all been there. Like today, Watson, Fuller, Hopkins, when Fuller is on the field. It's, it's all been there for three years. And and it's great to see it. Like we saw it against the Dolphins last year. We saw it today. We just don't see it very often. But it's been there. That's what makes this team so frustrating. We should be winning. We should be putting up a lot of points. And we need to be with our defense Remember, this was a one-score game until that final uh, touchdown from uh, Watson to Fuller. Yeah, this was a one-score game. Yeah, it, it was. I was really hoping it was going to end with one too. Like, I like the symmetry of it. Week one, week every odd year, every odd week, a really great offensive game, one-score game. Every even week, a really bad game, one-score game. Uh, I was hoping for, but we didn't quite get it this time. I just like the symmetry of it. Um, the other thing too, it seemed like the receivers that better job being more decisive too. Like, I don't. It's it's impossible to tell on our end without like being in the locker room and stuff. But like, I saw a couple instances where like Atlanta ran cover two and the receiver runs a corner route and Watson hits it. And so they, it seemed like the receivers did a nice job too of recognizing uh, the coverage the defense was in and then doing things with it. The run game was fine. You know, Carlos Hyde averaged I think three yards a carry. Duke Johnson had that one big run. Uh, but I think the one thing the run game did a good job of was run the ball against more empty boxes. Like whenever you saw a good run play, it was because it was typically because uh, Max Sharp and Larry Tunsil had a great double team and they had six guys in the box. 
And like that double team picks up the three technique and the linebacker, and they're able to cut back through that way and pick up a bunch of yards. And so I think that was kind of like the thing about it too. It's that you're throwing the ball except the run. You're not running to throw the ball. And maybe if Atlanta learned that a little bit earlier this game too, they would have had the third quarter they had as well. Uh, but I think that was another thing Houston's offense did a lot better compared to last week where it was like, yeah, we're just going to keep running it on first down, second down, then put Watson these you know, ridiculous third down situations that only exasperates the pass rush and puts them in a more difficult situation to succeed against, you know, a very good pass defense the Panthers had until, you know, Gardner Minshew came to town today. <laughs> right. The, you know, words you don't expect to ever say. Um, you know, Carlos had had 2.9 yards of carry today. I, you know, this is, I think that we're starting to see expectations and kind of see this, you know, fit in with Hyde. He's he's not very good. You know, he's if you look at his numbers, he went from 8.3, 4.5, 1.9, 4.8, 2.9 yards per carry. Look, you know, the best way you can look at it is that's going to be his trend. That's that's expectations. He's Alfred Blue 2.0, and we're going to con- continue to see him start moving down towards that three yards of carry number. Um, I think I think he's better than three yards of carry. I think a lot of it oh. too with him was like. Like, I think he's a lot better than Alfred Blue. And I think, too, like he had that really good third and one conversion where he got stopped and then was able to run four, forwards for more. He had two like third and one goal line runs or one yard goal line runs, too. I think he at least makes some guys miss. And he's been, he was a lot better the first three weeks than we ever expect him to be. And so I think it's reasonable to expect him to like not average seven and a half yards of carry, that sort of thing. Um, but I think it's mean to call him Alfred Blue. Alfred Blue deserves, like, he's like his own circle of hell, you know? No, yeah, and you're right. That was that was unfair. I need to. I, I don't I, I mean to undo that. Hide. <laughs> yeah, I'll control Z that. He he's not three point two yards to carry off at blue. He's more like three eight point eight yards to carry what go, Carlos better. Hyde normally does in that's his better. career kind of thing. He is a better running back, and he's I, I swear, like I watched him in college. He's not that quick. I just don't even know where that's coming from. So I love it. I'm going to enjoy it while it's there. Um, the other thing I wanted to say too about the offense as well: Watson on throws that went twenty yards through the air. Four or five for 150 yards and two touchdowns. I think last week he completed one throw. I think I don't think he even completed one pass over 20 yards last week. And this week against you know against Atlanta's secondary, it was a lot different. Um, the only thing I want to say too about Atlanta's secondary is that since Cannon Neal went down, they've done an awful job at like passing guys, at knowing their assignments, knowing who to cover. Like, like again, like throughout this game, you saw a lot of examples of three guys running with Hopkins, nobody running with Fuller. And, I mean, they're just lost on the back end, too. And so, like, it was great that Houston scored 47 offensive points. But like you mentioned earlier, like, I, I don't know there's a whole lot you can take from this game as an offense other than, like, keep doing the good things that work. They work typically. Uh, but I, I don't know if I, – I, I don't think 53 points is anything to expect to get our 47 so offensive points. And I think this was just, like, a perfect matchup. Houston did exactly what they needed to do. Like, I was, like, in my head, I was like, if they don't score at least 31 this game, just burn the whole team down, fold the franchise, you know, get them all out of here. Who cares anymore? Uh, and they, they came out and did exactly what they should have today, and it's very good to see. It kind of goes back to the same old adage that, you know, good teams beat bad teams by a lot of points, and the Falcons are a bad team, and the Texans, like, came in to care of that. And I think so much about the Falcons, too, has just been bloated by, well, the fact they went to the Super Bowl three years ago. It's Matt Ryan. It's Julio Jones. Um they haven't been good to us since the Super Bowl. And, like, Ryan had to do everything last year. He's getting old. The defense is really bad. And I, I think this defense doesn't keep getting worse, too, without Keenan Neal as well. Yeah, this is not a good Falcons team. And we just – they're not a very good football team. And, 
the funny thing is watching this game, it was like what it must be whenever we play, you know, like, like if we were Carolina Panthers fans last week and we're watching the Texans play and we're saying to ourselves, wow, they've got so much talent on offense at their skill positions. Why can't they do anything offensively? It's what, that's what team other teams must think about us as we were watching the Falcons today is that, man, they've got, they've got, you know, Sanu, they've got Julio Jones. They've got, um, well, Austin Hooper. Uh, they've got, Calvin Ridley, Devonte Freeman, Ido Smith's, you know, he's a pretty good little player. And they've got, you know, Matty Ice. You know, they should be putting up a lot of points, but they are stupid. They're a really stupid football team. Yeah, I have a friend who's a Panthers fan. After the game last week, he texted me. He's like, he's like, what is wrong with y'all? You know, he's like, what is that? <laughs> so I don't know. You, like, we talk about this a lot. Uh, also, it was funny, too, during the Slack today because, like, the Falcons are a bizarre version of the Texans where you look at their roster and you're like, how are they this bad? Like, how are they only scoring 16 points? Or, like, how are they, how are they mediocre? And so the Falcons are just like a worse version of the Texans in that way. We're like, the Falcons are probably going to go six and 10 this year. And that's in the season. Everybody's going to be like, how the Falcons go six and 10. And then when you watch them, like I've watched every Falcons game this year. And like, it's kind of blatant, like why they're, they're not a good team. Um, but then the Texans, like in the year may end, they may be like nine and seven or so. A lot of people are going to be like, how are they only nine and seven with the team that they have? And so like, they just need to be more consistent on offense is the biggest thing. And, uh, and like, Putting 47 points on a good team is a good start for that. Uh, so, are you expecting them to be able to like keep this up? Uh, what also like after a 47 point game, like it's hard to say like what can you do better at. I know it's like such a Bill uh, Bill Belichick sort of thing, but like what can Houston work on to improve going into next week against Kansas City as far as the offense goes? I think right now, well, it's the game plan. It really is. Are is is Bill O'Brien going to go back to making Deshaun Watson? have to make a lot of progressions as a passer because that's what we saw today is we saw the ball getting out. Just let Deshaun Watson just be a quarterback. Don't make him be a computer. And we see the beauty that happens with that. You don't have to make this stuff complicated. Look, look, he, Bill O'Brien, instead of just trying to keep with the run at the end of the game, he was throwing the ball downfield. And, you know, a lot of that was Deshaun Watson, you know, having fun. Those are the sorts of things you got to coach. Like, Every drive is important. It's important to score on every drive and not just score, score a touchdown because field goals suck. And so what I saw today is I saw for the first time, I saw a true killer instinct in Bill O'Brien, which this is the, you know, we're five and a half years in and this is the first game I've seen that. And it's just sad. But if that's what he's going to do, let's continue to do it. Look what happened today, Bob. Learn from today, Bob. (laughs) Yeah, so that's a very important point. So Falcons are down 33-17 in the fourth quarter. Houston made it 40-25, then they made it 47-32, and then 53-32 after the pick six. And it's like when the game was 40-25, uh, or when the game was 30, 33-20, uh, I don't know. It was a, it was a one-score game. We were yeah. all, it was some screwed-up number. Uh, but we are all like, okay, so here it comes. Let's try to kill, kill the clock. Here it goes. Run, run, screen, pass, punt. And they ran the ball twice, and they threw and picked up the third down conversion. And then they threw the ball again, they scored a touchdown, and they had a really great forward touchdown as well, too, to ice it. And so they were actually aggressive in a one-score situation instead of just, again, run the ball, run the ball, try to kill the clock, take the other team's timeouts from them, and then hope your defense makes a play. And like that worked against Los Angeles barely because of a holding penalty that overturned it. Uh, it obviously didn't work against New Orleans. But even though, like New Orleans, they threw a game-winning touchdown pass against 
Um, they didn't get the chance to against Carolina, but like, we've seen it happen, you know, throughout this Bill O'Brien uh, relationship we've been in. And so this game, he was actually like aggressive, that sort of thing. Also, I love that he tried to challenge that Calvin Ridley touchdown, how angry he was about it. When like you can't ta- you can't challenge that at all, but he still tries, which is good to see. Uh, so do you think Bill O'Brien finally learned from last week? Is he learning? Is the is the Windows ninety eight being ex- updated with Windows XP? Uh, can he actually start doing this more often and just being aggressive throughout the entire game and also being aggressive in these close games as well too? Yeah, I don't know. I think he's still MS DOS. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I would like to think that today is a true turning point in the Bill O'Brien theory. The problem is, is we had a game like this last year with the Dolphins where we were pushing the ball downfield. We we're super aggressive. We, we never took the, the, uh, uh, took off, you know, stop trying to score points against the Dolphins. Of course, you know, there's a little bit of a revenge factor there when it was playing, you know, Osweiler. What? Who's that? I know. Right. Huh? I just kills me, but <laughs> So let's see what he does next week. I mean, if we, it would not shock me if we went back next week and and gave the ball to Carlos Hyde first and second down for the first you know half of the game. It just wouldn't surprise me because that's that's Bill O'Brien. When Bill O'Brien, when things aren't working, Bill O'Brien always goes to what he's used to, and what he's used to is establishing the run. If you were listening to the game today and you heard Rondé Barber talking the entire freaking game about that the Falcons had to establish the run. Forgetting rule number one, don't run the ball against the Texans. But he spent the entire game talking about the importance of establishing run. So here's my little rant for tonight, as yeah. if I haven't been ranting all night, is that this year you can run the ball against the Houston Texans. A little bit. A little bit. But there's a reason for that, and that's because offenses have been throwing the ball against us at will. This goes back to what Football Outsider said 10 years ago. You don't run the ball to establish the run. You throw the ball to establish the run because that's what opens up the uh, the defense. And so when you're a guy like Bill O'Brien or you're a guy like Dirk Cotter, that you try to still establish the run at all costs, no matter how it's you know going on the field, you're just hurting your team. You've got to throw the ball to establish the run. And Bill O'Brien doesn't understand that. A lot of coaches don't understand that. It's, it's a weird concept, but that's why you can't a little bit run the ball against the Texans is because we can't stop the run. We're playing completely different offenses this year. Last year, we knew, hey, you know, Josh Allen's not going to push the ball against us, and, and uh, Blake Burles isn't going to push the ball down the field against us. So we can stack the box. We can take a lot more chances. We can be more aggressive trying to stop the run can't do that now because we are actually playing real quarterbacks yeah no that's a great point i know they also that's that article came out 538 last year looking at the rams offense and they kind of found out that the best way to determine the success of a rushing play is by the down and distance and where you're at on the field and then also the number of defenders that you're facing and so like whenever you face less defenders in the box you run the ball for more yards too um but yeah then that's a great point i think the texans haven't played a lot more nickel the offenses they're facing, or they play that like weak nickel where you have a safety in the box instead of a linebacker too. Uh, also, I think a very important part of the Texans' run defense is that Angelo Blackson's kind of sluggish and doesn't make a lot of run tackles. Winnie Merciless is a good run defender whenever he's facing a secondary blocker like a running back or a tight end or a wide receiver, and he doesn't make a lot of negative plays, but he like you know holds the edge there, but he's not going to make negative plays against tackles. And the Texans are now missing, you know, Kareem Jackson. Like, Justin Reed's a good tackler, but he's not, like, a negative play tackler like Kareem Jackson was. And then also, Jadavion Clowney's not there. 
And Javion Clowney just creates negative plays after negative plays. Uh, Angelo Blackson doesn't do that. J.J. Watt's not creating negative plays. They're running fr- away from him a lot. So he's just kind of like hovering around the line of scrimmage. And during this game, they only created, just off the top of my head as well too, but I believe they only created eight pl- eight tackles at or behind the line of scrimmage this year. And you know, compare to years previous, it was a ton of tackles behind the line of scrimmage. And so you're seeing a lot of McKinney, a lot of Cunningham tackles, which are the result of just DJ Reader being just unbelievable, taking on three blockers at a time, that sort of thing. I love him a lot. Um, but yeah, that's a great point, though. Yeah, and one thing I want to add to that, you know, we are missing two key guys from last year. You touched on it. Clowney created a bunch of loss, tackles for loss and Kareem Jackson. So there's a reason. And, and not only that, I can't talk about enough. And I think it's one of the coolest things about the 2018 season. It was a historic season for a rush defense. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that there's almost no like correlation between that and success. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's if you can pass the ball, if you can stop the pass, if you can rush the ball and then way down, it's if you can stop the rush. But it was just still really cool. It was a historic season. We're going to have regression and that sort of thing. But just, you know, anecdotes do not equal data. But I don't know if you watched the if you've had a chance to watch the Broncos game yet today. Kareem Jackson created a turnover at the goal line by doing Kareem Jackson kind of things. He he is God. He's a good tackler. He's just yeah. such a fun guy to watch. Yeah, I know. I wrote that article. I think in two thousand. I think it was two thousand seventeen. I was like, Kareem Jackson's the greatest tackler of all time, or whatever. <laughs> and uh, and then like you kind of throw it out there, and then you know everybody, and then you kind of, other people kind of start to realize it too. But yeah, like he's awesome. Like I love. I like, and also I just love like how he hits at his at his weight too. Like like Justin Reed's a dependable tackler. But he doesn't tackle like you know Cream Jackson does. Like he doesn't have that same sort of oomph and like just like dynamite that uh, Jackson does back there. No, he doesn't. And it, not to take away from Justin, Justin Reed had a great game. He had a nice little game today. Um, but Cream Jackson's special with that. It's just amazing. God, yeah. he would have been he would have been like a Hall of Fame safety if we drafted him and put him there. Yeah. Or yeah. I always like to think of Justin Reed as like a janitor. He like hangs back there and he cleans stuff up, you know. He's like that guy fills up fills on the right on the edge. Uh, that's the other thing about Lankai too. Sticks out like how bad their safeties are at run fills. Where like they have a defender in the box, but he just like kind of grabs and tries to pull some lines to making a tackle. But um, anyways, enough about the offense. I do just want to say Gray Jarrett's really good. Um, he had seven tackles, one for a loss, a forced fumble that was like somehow recovered by Max Sharping on the Houston's <laughs> first drive. And uh, he was awesome, and like he he beat Max Sharping a lot this game. And I think Max Sharping has to play guard. You don't play tackle at all. I think he's been good this year, and uh, and like playing Gray Jarrett's can do that. Like Gray Jarrett's really good, and a rookie in that situation, like you're gonna expect you know games like that from the opposing guy. And I think like it's completely fine, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um. So Atlanta's offense, like I don't want to go into monologue here, but I kind of may just because I really want like put the knife in the heart and twist it and like get every uh venture seam vertical you know while i have this knife in here so Atlanta's offense scored zero points in the third quarter they're up 17 16 at this point houston went on to score 17 points make it 33 17 uh from there in the fourth quarter they trade wives and touchdowns and you know houston was able to pull away there so that quarter the falcons had one first down they ran 12 plays and including penalties this comes out to 10 net yards 
They face a third and 20 after an Alex Mack clipping penalty, which is like a disgusting block. Like it's exactly what happened to Brian Horrible. Cushing whenever he got hurt against the New York Jets. Like I, I, I hated it so much. Uh, and I know that you did too. I know you brought up in the slack and like, I didn't really pick up on it until I watched it again after the game. And it was just disgusting. Like that should be, he should be fine. Like, you know, $50,000 for that sort of play. Uh, they face a third and two. Matt Ryan was sacked and that was the DJ reader sack. They face a third Ooh. and 14. And this came after a Muhammad Sanu second and 10 wildcat run. <laughs> and then McGarry fell star on 39 and made a third and 14. And so not only that third quarter, but in, on first downs this game, the Falcons ran the ball nine times for three for three total yards, and they ended with an average of second and eight. They had zero runs for four yards, and so on first and ten, four yards constitutes a successful play. Their success rate running the ball on first and ten was exactly zero percent. On first and ten, they threw sixteen passes. Ryan completed ten of them for one hundred one yards. They had four first downs. Uh, he also threw that late game interception. They had one holding penalty and one sack, but like overall, like. The running, like every time it felt like Atlanta has something going, they go and run the ball first down, and then it kills it. And they're second and eight, and then they had to you know play catch up from there. And so it was just like absolutely ridiculous the play calling. Um, so has Dirk Cutter like ever been good at anything anywhere? And like you're seeing the difference in the Bucks offensive Byron Leftwich compared. It's like the same offense they have too. And uh, like I don't know where he came from, but now he's in Atlanta, and like. It, he was. This was just like unbelievable how badly they managed their offense this game. I mean, we saw this guy for four years with the with the glitter kitties. I, 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 he is another guy who just look up and look at and say he failed up. And you know, he got one good season out of Blake Bortles during his stay there, and then he got the job with the Bucks as the uh, head coach. The guy sucks. And watching the, the play calling today, I think the best the best kind of way to look at it is that the series where the Falcons got the turnover deep on our territory, and it took them like 18 plays to go 18 yards or whatever it was. But he was just calling, you know, running the ball up the middle against our defense. I mean, did he not watch tape? Does he not look at stats? And then finally, Matt Ryan, some you know, gets in on the quarterback sneak. And it was funny because right before that play was called, you know, you said in our in our slack, you know, they just need, if they're going to do that, just QB sneak it. And, you know, Matt Ryan got in, he almost didn't. It, the play calling was so incredibly poor on that series. And, but that's, you know, he, he tried, it was like, he was listening to Ronde Barber the entire time. Got established run, got established run. They should have ditched the run early on. If you look at their numbers, Freeman, 2.7 yards per carry Smith, 3.8. Uh, Ryan doesn't count. And Muhammad Sanu had his one yard carry. <laughs> That's trash. Why are you even bothering? Why you're not gonna, you know, the play action is not gonna work because they don't care. Just throw the ball downfield against Jonathan Joseph and and Bradley Roby. Just do it. You're gonna be successful. Yeah, I mean, I really think they should ran, they should throw the ball 56 times this game, like run it exactly zero times. Just play like one running back, four wide receivers, and use your running back to pick up blitzes, and never run the ball at all. You know, that's it. That's it. Uh, but yeah, I, the Muhammad Sanu second and ten wildcat run was just so unbelievable. Uh, all the first down runs are bad, and like Freeman can only run vertically. Like he can't cut, he can't change direction, he can't break tackles. I think their offense is actually better with Ito Smith. And I know they had that weird drive too, where Ito Smith had those back to back holding penalties, and uh, that was rough. Like you can't hold Brad, you can't hold Bradley Roby uh, like that. The other one, you was a little bit more defensible, where he grabs that cutting him on the way down. Like, they pulled that one. They he, picked that one up. 
Okay, and he's like five foot eight too. Like him against right. him against anybody in pass coverage is a bad idea. Um, but yeah, I like I, I still like can't can't get over it. But also in addition to that, like Matt Ryan's had a good season when you look at the counting stats, where he's like, yeah, he has a seventy two percent completion percentage. Uh, he has a ton of yards, but entering this game, he had thrown the ball 176 times, which was the second most in football. And they're forcing Matt Ryan to do everything again. Matt Ryan's 35 years old, and he's thrown, I think, like, I, I know entering this game, he threw nine touchdowns to seven interceptions. I know he's like fringe top 10 according DVO and DYAR, but he, he really, like, his ball placement's off. Like, he's missing a lot of throws. Like, that Calvin Ridley against cover four is a good example. He just throws him out of bounds. Uh, he missed a bunch of deep touchdown passes against the Eagles as well, too. And, but the arm string just isn't there either. And it's like watching the Falcons play, too. It's like you're forcing this 35-year-old guy who's, like, deteriorating. Like, he's on the decline, and you're putting even more and more pressure on him, and you're not, like, making things very much easier for him at all either. Um, and so I just feel bad for Matt Ryan. Like, he had that one chance. He's never going to get back there again. Um and like he was very good, like he had a really great career. But I think like Dan Quinn may be the first coach fired, or very well could. If he had a different owner, he could be. I think like they have, they may have a Matt Ryan problem. Like after the season, they may have to reevaluate like their entire team too. Uh, uh, Arthur Blank came out saying, "I do not foresee making any changes to this team." So, that, that, yeah, it sounds I mean, like him. Like I know it's very, it's kind of like how the McNairs were. Yeah, SR, where it's hard for them to want to fire a coach. Yep. So if you look at Matt Ryan's numbers and look, he's, he's been a fine quarterback. He's put up a lot of numbers, but when, when Kyle Shanahan was his uh, offensive coordinator is when he was best because yeah. of, of Shanahan's system. And he, he's been fine, but he was really only elite for one season. And that was under Shanahan when they went to the Super Bowl in 2016. Otherwise he's, he's just a guy who's had good weapons around him. I mean, look, the guy, anybody who throws to Julio Jones, for that long is going to be pretty successful. Yeah. I, th- I think he was spectacular last year because he had carried the entire offense, but, uh, but like, it wasn't like that 16 season when he won the MVP and everything else. And like, yeah, I, I just like, I, they keep putting so much pr- more pressure on him more and more every year. And he's not that guy where he can lead, you know, 52 guys and score 28 points a game, or whatever he needs to. And yeah, the Falcons are probably gonna win like maybe five games this year. Maybe, maybe six. I don't know. But like a lot of people they're, are expecting they're pretty bad. them to be. I picked them to win eight games and miss the playoffs. And I think a lot of people picked them to make the playoffs too. But they're kind of like the exact team. Like you look at the the talent they have, and like how are they this bad? And there's just like there's just so many problems with them. And I didn't really. I think they are like the bizarre Houston Texans. The best way to describe them this year. <laughs> I love it. I think that's perfect. It's it's the same. The same stupid offensive coordinator with a bunch of talent, but you know Deshaun Watson is. I, I there is no like if I were to say in 2019 would I have Matt Ryan or Deshaun Watson? It's not even a close decision for me. Oh, for sure. And I think that's that's why it makes just when when we see the the old poodle offense, it just frustrates me so much. Yeah, well, you uh, you play to win the game or something. So Julio Jones has held the three catches on seven targets or 42 yards. He averaged only 1.05 yards per yards of separation per his targets. Uh, the Texans were 20th in DVOA at covering a wide receiver number one. It's like, what did Houston do to cover him in this one? We just bracketed him the entire game. He had a lot of company this game. I think the other big thing is that our defensive line, 
it wasn't like we had a big blowout game against Matt Ryan, but they were put making Matt Ryan very uncomfortable. And I think it took away some of his passing lanes to, to Jones, but we just, we bracketed him. We just didn't not give him a chance to be open. Yeah. It was, it was hard to see the other safety. Like I kept looking for it. And like also Julio is hard to see on the field pre-snap from a broadcast view. Like he doesn't wear long sleeves. Like he isn't like that much taller than everybody else. Like on the opposite sideline, you know, uh, also, I hate the fact that Fuller and um, Hopkins both have long sleeves and dreads, just because I can never tell the two apart. Whenever you're watching the game live, like, they're just like they just look identical uh, from the broadcast view. But it was hard to kind of see. But I think it was that which you mentioned. They bracketed a bunch of man coverage, and they also like whenever they played zone, there was always somebody underneath and somebody like right behind them over the top. So they were taking away a lot of the slants that he tried to run, a lot of the, the inside crossing routes too. That that play Cunningham man the ball was great. That stopped that slant route, and they kind of went away from a lot of those two after that point. And it seemed like they kind of tried, tried to do the same thing Houston did, where they tried to use them to step other routes. It just didn't work out as well too. Yeah, I thought this was really, considering the talent that he has, I thought this was a great game by Romeo Cornell that you take away – this is what Bill Belichick does. Yeah. Take away the other team's best weapon. And that's what Cornell did today. Is he took away Julio Jones out of the equation completely. And I think that was it was perfect. I mean, we're not gonna we're not going to really stop teams like the Falcons from scoring thirty points. We're just not. And so what you do is just mitigate that risk as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it does seem like the Falcons probably should have scored forty two points or whatever, or even like, you know, forty five points, but that third quarter was just such a disaster for him. And then also, like, things open, things change in the fourth quarter, too. But um, it wasn't like this wasn't like a fluky amount they scored this game by any means. So, the we had a question from Texans Thoughts. The handle on Twitter is at Thoughts Texans because you know that's the way it works sometimes. Some, some, sometimes somebody has a name that you want. Um, so, do, what are your thoughts on Roby BFD? Do you think he should be back with the Texans next year? Do you like him better on the inside or the outside? he's fine. I, I think it depends on the market. This is a guy who's still, I think you don't look at him as any more than your CB three. Um, and I don't mean that, that he's a slot corner. I mean that he's fine. Um, I, I don't think you break the bank for him kind of guy. I don't think he's going to go out and get a ton on the market. I think that right now at this point, he's got a pretty established history of what he is. And that's a, a middling quarterback, Matt. Yeah, I just I think the numbers are going to break out really well for for him. Just how he's been playing the slot, and then it's like whenever you like Tremaine Johnson have one good year and got like eighteen million right. a year, and like right. the cornerback market's so weird. But I get him getting much of money next year. I mean, but like, I mean, I, Roby hasn't Roby's been better than I thought he was going to be. But he's not a guy who wants who you want to be your number one cornerback. He's been awesome in the slot. I think that's probably where he's best at for his career. He didn't get a chance to play in the slot in Denver because Chris Harris Jr. was, was used in that way. And this year, Chris Harris Jr. has been used as an outside cornerback, covering like the best receivers in football. And he's been you know, kind of bad at that and how Fangio's used him. The switch between the two has been interesting. But uh, yeah, like, I think Roby's a good player. I just wouldn't want to give him you know, $15 million a year or something after having you know a good year in Houston too. And also, I think just like teams haven't done a very good job taking advantage of their secondary as well. Um, like Jonathan Joseph was targeted twice. One was like off, you know, deep off man catch that was made. Lonnie Johnson was targeted like only three times I really saw. A lot of it was just like finding holes in the zone coverage in Salina too. And so I, like I'm still waiting for them to play a team, you know, Kansas City, who's going to really do a good job stressing their cornerbacks in one versus one matchups. 
and then knowing how to like flood the zone when they run it. And then just also like whenever you play a lot of zone coverage that are being bracketing with another receiver like that, you have to throw shots deep down the middle of the field. And Orlando never did that with Austin Hooper this game. They didn't take advantage of that. You have a bad offensive coordinator and Dirk Cutter. And so I think that was, you know, again, another example of it. But I think Roby's been fine. He's better than I thought he was going to be this year. And uh, his ability to play the slot corner and take over for Aaron Colvin has been like really instrumental to a better pass defense on Houston's in this year as well. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm just looking because I was curious. You know where I'm looking. Yeah. Because, you know, the only thing that's ever important these days. Are you pulling the PFF grades? Is the PFF grade. Oh, and he's, he's, he's 104th. By wow. PFF. That's a lot worse than I thought. So I, I didn't, I'm not getting a chance to, you know, go dig into the numbers, but I would like to see like what is, you know, not just his grade because uh, the grades don't mean much to me, but I'd like <laughs> to see how the completion rate, because it seems like he gets a lot of passes completed in this area. So I'll have to go back and look at that a little bit more. I mean, you know, we're, you know, the game happened today and then I had to work the rest of the evening. So I'd like to do a little bit more research on that, but he has, I don't think he's been good in my eyes as you're seeing him in your eyes. Yeah. This is so exciting. Wow. Yeah. We really conflict. Wow. (laughs) I can't believe it. All right. So I'm going to ask you another, I'm going to talk for a second. Look up Caleb McGarry's PFF grade for me real fast. So oh my the pass you rush in this there. game, it was a lot of Reader and Omenehu on the inside. It was Whitney Merciless against Matthews with the left tackle role. Uh, Merciless didn't do much of anything at all in this game except for those like two run tackles that he had. And like against good left tackles, he's going to have problems. And like also whenever he can't be wide and looping without the interior pressure to help him, he's going to have problems as well too. And Watt was primarily against McGarry. They used him on the inside some. He uh, had a really great game, a matchup against that, that Schweitzinger guide. Uh, Schwitzer, Schweitzinger, I can't say his name, but he replaced Jamon Brown, who had been uh, really bad for Atlanta, too. And so, while I had one sack in this game, it took him 3.6 seconds to make it. Uh, Reader had a cleanup sack, and that was a sack where Watt made an outside move, and that sack wasn't on McGarry because they're sliding their entire pressure, their entire offensive line to the left. So, McGarry has the B gap, so when Watt goes out to the right. He's supposed to stay in that B gap and then they have their back to pick up the edge. So they get reader against the running back, which is a bad idea, which is why you never slide your entire pass protection one direction. And so you don't end up in situations like that. But reader came and made the sack after that as well too. So I thought like the pressure was all from Watt. It wasn't really consistent. It was kind of boomer bust. I think they did a good job again, like Ryan, you know, maneuvering outside. Cornell called like those two really good blitzes that fumbled, yeah. uh, that funneled the ball for an easy completion too. But I think like I was expecting more from the Texans' pass rush, especially on the interior in this game. I was too, and, and uh, Caleb McGarry is sixty-six. There we go. Tackles. That's pretty good. That's a starting offensive tackle. Um. Well, yeah that that is true. There's only That's sixty-four lower. of them, so sixty-six is pretty good. <laughs> That's. Howard's ranked better, and he's just barely above Roderick Johnson. Yeah, I like I like McGarry because he's so strong, and I was really kind of bummed he wasn't grabbing when he punched this game. But uh, he's been he hasn't been as good of a run blocker as I expected him to be right away. But he's been better as a pass blocker than I thought he was going to be. And like Watt kept trying to like outside rip him, and it didn't work at all. And then Watt was like, okay, enough of that. And then he started doing inside moves and bull rushes. And that's what started working against him, which was surprising. Because, like, McGarry's, like, gained, like, 40 pounds since it looks like watching him. 
compared whenever he played in Washington. Goodness. Like he's huge compared to his college video. Wow. I did not notice that. Interesting. Yeah. He has like a belly now. He used to not have a belly. And the other thing about Watt's game today is the two roughing the passers that I yeah. wanted to bring up is that, and they were both legit. They were both legit penalties. And that was kind of disappointing to see that. Yeah, it looked like he was sack hunting for sure. Yeah. And like he, he's been, like in his career though, he's gotten away with his hits, I think more than other players. Where like if Clowney does that, like he gets flagged immediately. But I think they've given Watt some leeway compared to years previous where like they let him hit the quarterback a little bit more. Where like he, he takes like three steps and hits a guy underneath the chin, you know? That that one was, oh my god! And the Mason Rudolph hit today. I don't know if you had a chance. Yeah, to I see saw. That I one. thought it was pretty cool actually, because he's okay. Oh, he's okay. <laughs> well, the good news clearly. Like he's alive. Just, he's alive. I've just never. I don't know if I've ever seen a hit like that. I mean, it was just like, wow, that was just horrible. And it, you could tell he was out. He yeah. was out on the way to the ground. And when you see the arms, like, are kind of like dead. Oh my gosh, that's terrifying. I think, I think worse than the hit itself was like the way his head landed after he went limp. Because like yeah. he's in the air, you know? Oh and, my gosh. And like that was like a legal hit, you know? He hit him in like the chest and it went up and hit him in the jaw. But uh, yeah, I think the hardest I ever got hit, I got pulled against on power. Like I was in the backfield. I was like 14 and really stupid. I was like, I can't, I'm back here. I can't believe it. And then this guy like pulled and hit me in the chin. And my chin was purple for like three. I thought I, I thought I broke my skull. And it was like purple for like three weeks. And then uh, and I learned like, oh yeah, if you run up, if like nobody's blocking you, it's for a reason, you know? There's, <laughs> and like the coaches don't tell you that and then you get hit once and you can't understand it. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. It was very stupid. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, I expected more from the pass rush on the interior. Uh, I thought they needed to be better. And I, I like the pass rush entering this game. Like I like Omenehu on the inside. I think he played more than he should where like you want him to play 17 snaps and they're all on the inside just providing pass rush um you know martin played some but he didn't do very much at all like when mcgarry blocked merciless and martin like he he held them down really well it was what like moving inside that was able to create like their soul interior pass rush which was you know kind of weird too but they're gonna be better next week though yeah yeah because yeah interesting because i hadn't really processed that completely is the falcons don't have a good defensive line or offensive line at all it's like and, they're okay on the tackle spots. Like Matthews is like Anthony Costanzo, where he's an above average left tackle, but he's not a great one. But yeah, right. their interior's been bad this year. Yeah. Yeah, like James that's Carpenter's a, bad. Alex Mack, team Mack has had a down year too. Oh yeah. And that's it yeah, that team needs so many pieces. Oh wow. Yeah, then the the Chris Lindstrom Lindstrom broken foot was like a disastrous thing for their season this year. Because like yeah. Ryan can't deal with interior pressure, he just and then he gets scared and he keeps running to the right, and you don't want him running to the right, you know. And he can't move. I mean, he's still, he's Matt Ryan. It's never like been like he's a been a mobile quarterback. I mean, he was like that at BU. He just he doesn't run. Yeah, and now he's thirty five years old. And you can see the wrinkles coming like on the side of his mouth and everything. He's getting old. <laughs> I feel bad for him. I really do. This is me flipping you off. <laughs> uh, yeah, whenever I write my incompletions post, I'm just going to write about Matt Ryan and like and getting old, you know. I'm just going to turn incompletions into like a series of essays based on the other team. <laughs> I love it. Um, so we had two more questions from uh, our friends in cyberspace. The first one was from the Lado. He said, it was a great game, a lot of fun, you know, that sort of, sort of thing. He said, but what can be done by our pass defense? Kansas City will feast on this next week, and we might need a similar, score, a similar scoring output to even have a chance. 
So what are you expecting for like against Kansas City next week? Is there anything they can do? Like I know like we're so far away and we got rid of the preview thing for next week, but like next week is like the game so far of the season. Like it's the ultimate litmus test for the Texans at three and two right now. I just don't know what what, <laughs> what the Hades were gonna do in this game. I I mean you know, I've been right now. So we're recording right now through the during the Chiefs and Colts game. So I keep kind of cheating and looking back and cheating on Matt by paying attention to another woman. And right, I don't know how you stop Mahomes. I mean, the guy is is just so good. It's this is like watching the good Watson. Is you look at Watson play and you just get so super excited. And then Matt, you know, you look at Mahomes and he's so good too, and he can do so many things. You can't. With the Falcons, it was a good strategy to take away Julio Jones. But with what do you do with the Chiefs? You're not going to take away. You have to either choose, you know, Watkins or Hardiman, or um, there's uh, Kelsey, Kelsey, and their backs and catch passes too. Everybody there. And Damian Williams is like, oh yeah, I'll just have like a 54 point fantasy game for no reason. So I don't. You don't slow this team down. I just don't see what we do next week against the Chiefs to stop them. Um, and I say that, and the Chiefs only have 10 points against, you know, the last seven defensive backs on the Colts roster <laughs> right now. So it's, that's going to be a really fascinating, interesting game. I, I am This, to me, is like the big game for the year, is, is what we do against the Chiefs next week. And I'm absolutely riveted to watch this one. Yeah, yeah it's going to be super exciting. I do think the schedule broke pretty well for Houston, considering like who they played and like what we expected these teams to be like in the preseason and their projected uh, pre their projected schedule. Like I think now, like they're at like they have the tenth toughest schedule for the rest of the year after having the hardest projected schedule entering the season too. And like they haven't played the AFC South yet, and they haven't played like the teams that have to run the ball yet either, except from Jacksonville. So I do think like at three and two through five weeks is you know ecstatic as far as just like the Texans making the playoffs and win the AFC South and that sort of thing. Um, just because I was expecting them to be like, you know, two and three at this point, or maybe even one and four, uh, just with the passing offenses that they were gonna be facing. And that like Chargers win was, you know, enormous for the season too. But uh, against the Chiefs, like it really comes down to the pass rush. Like can Reader be great? Can JJ Watt be great? Can they collapse the pocket and then allow Whitney Merciless to pick up the pieces? It'd be a really great weekend for a big play Mingo to do something too. Uh, Martin needs to do some stuff. And like Cornell needs to do a really good job as far as just like creating open lanes for his pass rushers. So get Cunningham involved, get McKinney involved, um, get, you know, a die, get Reed involved in pass rushing and just, and then you just pray, like hope like Mahomes gets sick. Hope, uh, you know, like it's really like wet or something. Like there's a lot of rain or whatever. Cause I, I don't know. I really don't know what they're going to do aside from score a lot of points. We're going to have to score 40 minimum to win this game, I think. Yeah, so we had another question from uh, at Sam Mav Woodward. He said, so are we, will the offense score points next week, or is this going to be like every other possession where like Kansas City scores every possession, then it's you know, 35-21, or, it's, or is this going to be the type of game where Houston go toe-and-toe against them? What are you kind of expecting right now? I have no idea. It depends on what Bill O'Brien does. If we see the good Bill O'Brien, then we're going to get a lot of points if we see the I'm going to I'm going to establish the runs to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, which is stupid AF. Then we're not going to score a lot of points, and they're going to they're going to trounce us. So we have to have the attitude next week that we're going to have to score 50 points. We have to be aggressive, putting the ball down the field. 
aggressive using Deshaun Watson. That triple option today, it only got four yards, but wow. Pretty cool. That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty cool. It was a good play call. So we need to see the good Bill O'Brien. If they try to establish the run, if we try to run Carlos Hyde, it's going to be a stupid game for us, and they're going to kill us. Yeah, and like I know there's no moral victories in the NFL, but I just like the only thing I care about next Sunday is the entire Matthew get scorched for like two deep touchdowns. Like that's really all I want. I want to see Fuller just burn right by Tyron Matthew. I want to see him like grab Smiley by the face mask and have like a really bad pass interference for penalty. And that's all I care about next week. And no, I'm not a spiteful or petty. That's not my personality at all. Yeah. But that, that's the, that's what I want. That's what I'm looking forward to next week. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I really, I think it's going to be bad. But, like, it's just the Chiefs are really good. And that's what they do to everybody. And unless Houston scores 42 points, like, it has to be a Big 12 football game, you know? It has to be a one-score game. Yeah, it has to be a one-score Big 12 game. It has to be. It just has to be. It's the only way it works. Yeah. Uh, so is there anything else you want to bring up from today's game? No, I think I got my reins out of the way. All right. I wanted to be sure I hit the hit the pass establishes the run game. Yeah, it's very important. Well, that's all we have for tonight's show. Uh, we'll be back on later this week to do a week six preview. Maybe if we're lucky, we can do a Texans Chiefs only preview, which I would like to do because this is such a big and important Huge. and enormous game, huge game. Uh, I'll try to clear up my entire schedule, see if we can make it happen. Now, <laughs> I'll probably write. I'll write like three thousand less words so we can make it happen. Um, but until later on this week, my name is Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Battle Red Radio, and thank you for being on tonight, BFT.